0: This is On Johnson, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Rosterwatch Nation, welcome back to the epic Rosterwatch podcast brought to you by Rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, here with Byron Lambert, live streaming episode 217 of the podcast. Uh, As we're getting ready, I should ask you before we started, Byron, like I guess uh, we got our credentials in and everything ready for the NFL Combine. I saw you forward me the hotel link last night. What day do we get in?
1: I, Cause Monday I need to get night.
0: my flight. Okay. So, so the, so the, so the meetings with the coaches and the GMs and stuff start early Tuesday morning. Is that the deal? Yes. And then we have that just for one day. So that's going to be a big day. Uh, make sure if you're watching us on YouTube, Periscope, Twitch, any of these uh, Facebook, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, uh, the roster watch podcast and Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever it is that you listen, you can find it there. And we'll have a bunch of awesome content from there at the Combine. Always super excited about that event, not only to meet the prospects and break down their athletic testing, but also just we get access to all 32 coaches and GMs minus Bill Belichick, who certainly will not be talking this year. I wouldn't think. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, maybe it's like, who knows? Belichick always does shit that surprises you, like the one year where you say there's no way he comes out this year to answer all these Brady questions is the year
1: he shows up. First Belichick never talks and the Cowboys general manager never speaks either. (laughs) (laughs) That's definitely
0: true, but he does. He, he does speak. He just does it in the, in the uh, big Cowboys bus outside and only for a few select reporters. Right. Um, We got a bunch of, we, we have a bunch of work to do on the best ball cheat sheet. Generally the combine is the time that we like to have that, up and going uh there's only been a really you know the best ball tens just really got kicked off as i was mentioning to byron last week i'm just now wrapping up in best ball 10 number i've just finished best ball 10 number three and i'm finishing up now with best ball 10 number four so those things are off the ground at least a little bit but the adps really aren't good yet we're trying to combine those with the ffpc adps to kind of figure out how we're going to gain some leverage here to start Byron, you had some running back takes you wanted to get to again today and also some news and notes. I saw that I saw that Arthur Blank is starting to, you know, why not just why not just uh, why not just fire some people in charge of these bad fucking contracts? that They've given out to guys like like Devonte Freeman instead of just acting like you're tilted about these contracts in the media. Well,
1: you know, Alex, you're a former executive headhunter. Hiring sucks, man. <laughs> Right, man. hiring sucks. Per- sourcing <laughs> personnel—that's tough, man. And so I guess a guy like Arthur Blank, man, you know, he's maybe just still looking for the path of least resistance. Seems like it's time for regime change in Atlanta, but suppose I can buy the argument. Maybe this this group gets one more year here, and uh, maybe last year was a bit of an anomaly. Just so much of it has to do with the quality. Is of anybody ever going to pay a running back ever again? What is Tennessee going to do? Derrick Henry is well, going to hold
0: out, isn't he? He's going to have to hold out. No, like people need to – people now – it's been the girly contract. It's been like even the Zeke contract is now looking like it's going to swindle the Cowboys. They're not going to be able to pay Dak and Byron Jones and everybody that they need to keep after last year paying, you know, Zeke and Jalen Smith and guys, you know, guys like this. Now when it's important players like Amari, Dak, Byron Jones, there's just there's, – there's not enough money. You know now, like Devontae, they hate the Devontae Freeman deal. They hate the David Johnson deal. They'd love to trade it. Todd Gurley, they want to trade it. Zeke's making this thing pro. Like Derrick Henry is not going to get his not going to get his his money. I don't think not at least not right off the bat. And that worries me about him. I know we're not even talking. It's 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 early to be doing a stream. We're not even talking about him. Well, it's a fascinating test,
1: and it's not too early because I didn't quite. I figured I'd save it for next week's. Podcast is you know one of the things we do in preparation for the NFL Combine is, uh, we, you know we start kind of consolidating in our mind what some of the major offseason narratives are across the NFL, and I was uh, hopefully we can get into some of those pre-combine, and certainly we'll get into them coming out of the combine. Um, uh, certainly that's. Uh, that's where many of those narratives are born at least in principle to the to the mainstream um but you know what the signing of Derrick Henry just from a pure uh a personnel perspective a salary cap perspective is the dynamic of the league i mean that's a very interesting narrative this offseason i mean yeah we'll we'll see if running backs still get paid he's the big he's the big big test but i mean you're right alex it doesn't doesn't really seem like the days of the Emmett Smiths are long gone, man. You think back to the kind of career that guy had, and you realize that he was an absolute, that, just freak and anomaly to be able to do that for ten or fifteen years. These other guys have one contract in them, a couple of four hundred touch seasons in them, and they are toast. So yeah, I mean, we got good. Back you would tell me, me back year. back then. Yeah, you would tell me that back
0: then, and I didn't have the full appreciation I should have. It was still too soon in the in the mid two thousands or something like that when you were preaching this to me. And I still said, I still, you know, I don't think he's one of the, you know, top five greatest running backs ever. And he's just, he'd call me a donkey. And uh, it's just like now, you know, looking back, it's like, it's, yeah. The, like the volume been, that guy touched it, the ball with was just, it's true miracle. There's been no one like him. Like there's been no one like him. So
1: you were yeah, right. So we'll get it with Derek Henry. And look, you know, uh, the other guy is Melvin Gordon in free agency. He's probably not going to get what he once either so those are two uh certainly to watch and uh, like you said Alex we had a little bit of narrative trickle in over the last 24 hours about guys like James Connor and Devontae Freeman from their front offices um <clears throat> that made me start thinking about some of the other notable or marquee names kind of on the running back side of the best ball cheat sheet on the running back side of best ball ADPs currently kind of these mid-round uh Running backs that are that are fairly big names, but uh, you know you look at them and, and you wonder what do we really make of these guys? So the narrative that came out. Okay, go I'm ahead. I was I
0: was just, just going to ask you if you could uh, for anybody who might have missed those bits of news about Connor and Devontae Freeman, just what it what it sure, was. Sure,
1: yeah. So Arthur Blank basically coming out and uh, saying that there's not an endless salary cap in Atlanta and, you know, in regards to how he views Devante's Freeman's uh, f- forecast with the team here. You know, a lot of folks have been speculating Freeman probably gone this off season. You know, he's a former favorite of roster watch, but we just think that he's pretty much toast. He's lost all his juice. And he was a guy that didn't have exceptional juice to begin with in the NFL. So yeah. uh, he's a guy that we're kind of, I think is basically full stop on for me with Freeman. So the news coming in, uh, that, you know, the Falcons, you know, are, 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 are probably cooled down on Freeman in terms of how he affects their salary cap. Not a real surprise. Um, certainly not a player that's deserving of any mid round status. You would think even if he gets signed elsewhere, it's probably to be in, uh, some sort of, sort of, uh, committee and, uh, especially
0: with it, the running back crop coming in this year, you know, these guys are good. Right, these guys are good. It makes you just before you go on to Connor. Just on Freeman, is there any value right now to be had in best ball drafts for any of these backups like Brian Hill or Quad? I saw Quadri Allison in that Sirius XM draft I was in the other night. Quadri Allison was drafted in like the thirteenth round. I think he's a slug and he sucks. I'm, I, I think get rid of Devonte Freeman. Do you think that they believe the answer is in house with getting Ito Smith back and maybe in some sort of committee with Brian Hill? Edo Smith, Quadri allison or do you think that they would definitely be in the market for maybe a, you know, I don't think they would be in the market for an early round runner of course, but maybe a mid-round runner out of this
1: out, out of this class. There's a lot of good ones. I mean, I expect them to be in the market for running back, you know, likely in the draft, especially if they're concerned about the salary cap. I think I suppose little- if you could get Edo Smith or Brian Hill at the very end of your draft, I could get in on one of those and, and best ball is just the flyer in best ball. That's probably a decent pick getting one of those right. guys, whoever you can get at the end and not quadriolison. But I suppose if it could be <laughs> okay, Edo, potentially yeah. Brian Hill at the very right. end, then that, that, that makes a little bit of sense, you know, and what we did see out of Devontae this year, you know, in the, in the case that he does go to another team is he still has some PPR relevance, but even for that to happen, he had, you know, he had to be in the backfield for 65, 70% of snaps and, that's a real concern projecting him to get that kind of workload if he goes elsewhere uh, in free agency and what's likely to be a committee. And then uh, the other bit of, you know, narrative trickling out, as I mentioned uh, out of Pittsburgh is GM Kevin Colbert of the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, just came out and flat out called it how it was. This James Conner, uh, many people's darling heading into the season this last year, uh, a disappointing season for running back James Conner in Pittsburgh. That's coming straight from the Steelers general manager, Kevin Colbert. So again, Alex, this kind of, when I, these narratives trickling in and, uh, it made me start to contemplate, uh, some of the other, you know, notable and meaningful marquee names. Like I said, on the running back side of best ball, ADPs kind of in those mid rounds. And, you know, uh, when I saw this coming out about James Conner, I started digging a little bit into his production last year and, Uh, what the forecast looks like uh, for him. So James Conner, Kevin Colbert says it's a disappointing season. He was a guy who averaged 4.5 yards per carry uh, in 2018, that dipped to four yards a carry flat in 2019. We do have James Conner going into the final year of a cheap rookie deal. So in some regards, maybe we could expect the Steelers to just run his wheels off this next season. Now, on the other hand, We do have Benny Snell, who was a rookie last year, who was added to the mix with Jalen Samuels. uh, Two good backup running backs. And, you know, I I think that while when you have Snell and Samuels, uh, the handcuff situation, the backup situation devolves a little bit into a cannibalistic scenario, because both those guys can play. Both of them have some three down uh, capability there. Now, James Conner... Uh, he's averaged less than 12 games played uh, per season so far in his career. Was it 10 last year? It
0: was nine or 10, right? It was 10. I think, it was, I think 10. it was 10 last year. Yeah, 10. And so he he played 10 last year. He averaged in the games he played, he averaged 14.8 PPR points per game, which is basically. You know, that's that's basically like what you got out of Le'Veon Bell last year. And I think people would consider what Le'Veon Bell did to be a disappointment last season. Right. It's about like Le'Veon Bell or Gurley. And neither
1: of those guys were guys
0: you'd love to have on your fantasy teams last year.
1: Sure. And I mean, it was only 15 touches a game last season for James Conner. Now, maybe that was because of the injury. But again, we have the injuries and the durability. But again, we have a burgeoning backfield behind him. So 15 touches a game last season is not going to get it done. For a player like Connor, especially since he was coming off a 20 touch per game season in 2018, where he got massive volume. That's what we were all hoping for again, because he's a three down uh, capable back. James Connor only had 20 touches twice in 2019. Again, he obviously wasn't fully healthy, uh, but the team has three solid backs now. And I think with Benny Snell going into year two, he is going to deserve a little bit more time this next season. Uh, where James Conner still shines, though, Alex, he's 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 still quite impressive in the uh, receiving category. When he did play this last season, he was good for three to five receptions per game, which is a real boon in uh, PPR. So, you know, a, a lot of the outlook for James Conner, I believe, will also have to do with how we forecast the quality of the Steelers' offensive line and their offense in general. We're hearing that. Big Ben is looking good for a return, which would obviously be well, tremendous sure, for anybody yeah, I mean, on the Steelers' saying offense. They're saying he's still a month off from, from, from throwing a
0: tennis ball it was last I heard. But, I mean, they're they're certainly expecting him back. I was, Big Ben's never really been that healthy. And he's as old as all these guys that are falling off the cliff, right? Is he as old as Eli and Rivers? Yeah, like, oh, yeah. It's all the same draft class. Aaron Rodgers, I th- not too Behind I think Ben probably treats his body a lot shittier than those guys,
1: too, just by the, by the, all the motorcycle stuff. And the, I'll bet you he eats worse food. You know, the other good thing about the Steelers running back situation is they have a formidable defense. So even if that offense isn't high octane, maybe as we've seen it in the past, the Steelers can maintain a game script with the play of their defense that will, um, you know, support the running backs. I guess just, you know, the question is James Conner is a big name. He's a guy you still have to – he's garnering a mid-round ADP. I mean, I look at this and I start to think, man, uh, this whole group of guys, I feel a lot more comfortable round five. You know, these – you know, James Conner, you got to draft him as an RB2. I think there's a lot of reason to believe he can be an RB2, but you sure as hell would like to draft him as an RB3. It's just uh, – that's – it doesn't seem like uh, – um that's what the circumstances will, uh, you know, will provide currently, uh, based on ADPs with James mm-hmm. Conner, Alex.:
0: So in the Sirius XM, um, you can people watching on YouTube can just see I've pulled up a, a screen share here that doesn't really add much to the if you're listening on the podcast, it doesn't really add much because I'll be explaining sort of what I'm looking at. But so if I just look at where I had priced in just based on initial early ADPs that are bad ADPs, but st- we got to start somewhere. Um, James Conner, somewhere between uh, pri- priced, I initially priced him in somewhere between in a twelve-team league and a half-point PPR between pick thirty-nine and forty-two. So point th- three to four point zero six. And as you'll see here, when I did the Sirius XM Experts draft the other day, he was in. The, he, he was the guy who fell out of this range. Le'Veon Bell didn't fall out of where I figured he would go. Neither did Chris Carson, Mark Ingram, Marlon Mack, or even the rookie DeAndre Swift. But both James Conner and Kerryon Johnson uh, out of this tier both fell a little bit farther than I would have imagined. Kareem Hunt was also in this tier. He he fell to the fifth, round, not quite as far. He fell to the fifth round. Jeff Ratcliffe actually took Kareem Hunt, which I thought was pretty pretty sharp of him. Um, So do you think that, Whenever you look at the ADP for James Conner, do you believe that he belongs more in this sort of? These guys went a lot earlier the Darius Geis, the Reem Mosterts, the Damian Williams, who I've already decided needs to kind of come up a little bit. Does James Conner belong more in that sort of tier, do you believe? Uh, I do, do believe think? so, but
1: it does sound like the experts, the way they're drafting, you know, it's not necessarily in accord with the current ADPs, but it, it, it's, it's, at least it feels like the industry is starting to get this right. That some of these players like Connor, maybe a tad bit overvalued versus that other group of players that uh, you said the experts were kind of drafting ahead of ADP. The guy says maybe the Damian Williams, certainly all guys I, I wanted to talk about in this podcast today.
0: Okay, great. Well, just before we get off of Connor, do you feel like it's because Benny snow only four targets last year. I mean, you, you said that, you know, Connor was good. I believe Connor had played Connor caught a good amount, good amount. Of, did he a, catch like thirty six balls. Option. Yeah, in ten games. So I mean, that guy has a pretty good receiving floor to him. But the pro, the problem is, it's not just Benny Snell that's there. There's also Jalen Samuels, whose calling card is is catching footballs out of the backfield. It's like you'd say, what does Jalen Samuels do well? Well, he catches footballs out of the backfield really well, and is a good. To me, the way that I see it, if I when I when I look at this whole thing. It's like if you take Benny Snell and Jalen Samuels and you put them together, it's like that gives you um, a guy like Connor, right? You take the the between-the-tackles good player that Benny Snell is. You take the good receiver that Jalen Samuels is. You put those two guys together. It feels kind of like Connor. So uh, the fact – I don't know. The the fact that Colbert said that, look, he's still a starting running back in the league and all this stuff like that, it makes me think he's still going to get first crack at this and maybe first crack at three-down work. Do you think that the new normal is just a three-way committee here, though? Like, is that
1: what we're... Uh, Maybe something like we saw in Baltimore a little bit this last year. I mean... Difficult to make a case that James Connor's in line for any more than fifteen to eighteen touches if you want to try to be rational about your projections and where hes slotted. I mean, that's a fair number to go off of. I mean, it, you hoping for the twenty touches It didn't happen last year. Now the backfield's more crowded. Suppose it? I suppose that's a best case scenario. I don't think it's what you can plan on. Certainly, the team's he's a volume guy. The team's gotta wanted to get him the ball more than fifteen times a game if he's healthy, but I mean, that's – we got to – you got to use that as the floor because that's what we saw this last year. So I would slot James Conner 15 to 18 touch guy who's getting – you know, he gets his three, four receptions a game when he's healthy. So that's solid for PPR. And, um, you know, to me that makes him probably probably a low-end RB2 when it's all, you know, said and done. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. It,
0: the the question is, when you're going to get your wide receiver to if you want to get into this Stephon Diggs, Devontae Parker, DK Metcalf sort of area, I have a feeling we're going to be talking more like James Conner versus the, uh, a good back-end running back two versus a good back-end wide receiver two in that spot. So these the particular areas that I have a small bit offset on the cheat sheet right now for my initial value proposition – uh, might need to be sort of consolidated a little bit there. I think, with the exception of a few of those guys at the very top, who were going about exactly where I had them priced in. Um, who else do you want to talk about besides Connor? Well, the good news
1: is a little downward pressure on Connor's ADP. All of a sudden, he could become it could,
0: he could become a, uh, a value. A yeah, if we're talking road, fifth right? round, if we're talking fifth round, I think that's too late, right? I mean, it's too late. I'd him priced in at the four. Or, you know, like I said, four four point. to 4.06.
1: Hey, he had no takers there. So just uh, Alex, you brought brought up a handful of the other guys that were, uh, uh, I guess popular in your serious XM mock draft. And so let's, uh, one of those that you mentioned is, um, a little bit polarizing right now. When you get to that area of the draft on the running back side of best ball, ADPs and the best ball cheat sheet at rosterwatch.com is, Detroit Lions running back carry on Johnson, a player who averaged 5.4 yards per carry as a rookie. Uh, he plummeted down to 3.6 yards per carry last year in his sophomore uh, season. Carry on heading into the third year of a four year rookie contract. Uh, we did see Bo Scarborough emerge a little bit as the hammer down the stretch last year uh, for the Lions as carry on was uh, trying to attempting to come back from that really a, a significant knee injury. Um, but behind, but other than Scarborough, unless you're still a Ty Johnson truther, there's really nobody behind carry-on on the Lions uh, depth chart. You know, Perhaps they could go in on day two or day three in the draft at the running back position. Uh, with carry-on, real concern, only 18 games played in his first two seasons. He played 10 games as a rookie, only played eight games in 2019. Again, hampered by... What appeared to be a significant knee injury uh, He's a 15 touch per game so far in his career. That's carry on Johnson running back Detroit Lions, which was the same in 2019 as it was in 2018. So how many times do we always say you got to read the writing on the wall? You got to take things for what they are. Read the tea leaves. We've always said. The Lions want carry on to be a 15 to 18 touch per game guy. We've always said that's exactly how he views Himself and look, the Lions—it's—it's it's the perspective the Lions espouse, espouse annually at the combine—is that the, he's not—they—they they never want to give him the workhorse, you know, moniker. It's uh, infuriating so, that you can ask and ask—is it time to give him more touches? Like uh, we're yeah, we're not sure. We want to just keep on wallowing around here as a shitty team. It's like it's just yeah. It's- and the the thing with Carry on that's enticing is his three down capability, but very very concerning was you know the bottom fell out on his reception total this last year. I mean that's just in a guy that we're concerned about volume and durability. I mean it's three down capability is his main source of appeal. You cannot have his reception plummet totals plummet uh, like they did this last season. And we got to find out whether that is an omen or, a, or it's a harbinger uh, for the future with on Johnson. He's a good player with he's a good receiver. He needs to be catching the ball uh, if he's going to be a relevant fantasy bag for us. So if you're bullish on carry on Johnson, Alex, I suppose you're probably hanging your hat on the fact that he had 49 touches in week three and week four last year. You know, you're still calling for all the supposed upside uh, that, uh that, that a carry on Johnson could uh, entail, uh, you know, but, that was before he got injured. I mean, no, he had a chance to keep that pace up before he got injured last year, and they didn't maintain that volume with him. So, again, that's some, that's a sign we need to look out for. So, I guess my take, Alex, as I started digging into this, is I thought that maybe I was going to be high on on Johnson coming into this offseason, at least versus maybe what my anticipated ADP might be. I mean, you got to remember, on Johnson was going second, third round by the yeah. time – drafts were in full swing this last year and you know this analysis has kind of leveled me out a little bit on carry on you know it is still important to remember they don't have anybody else really other than scarborough and ty johnson behind him but i think if you're going to be real with yourself you have to you know i think you come back to earth a little bit on near expectations with carry on so you know is he a solid pick at that juncture in your best ball draft Sure, I think so. I'll probably have my share at his current ADP. Uh, I just feel like after I looked at it a little more in depth, maybe I'm not as high on Carry-on Johnson rebound coming into the offseason versus ADP as maybe I had anticipated just a month or two ago.
0: Well, in the ADP we're talking about where he wasn't getting any takers, at least in the series XM experts draft and where he's falling currently in the, in the best ball leagues that I'm testing this thing in right now, you know, they're just constantly pouring into my in my email inbox uh, that I'm on the clock. Carry on's falling past I mean, I I I had him going in the fourth round just before the four or five turn. You're the pricing king. That's kind of, do you think that's at least a good place to at least start and figure out where where people's heads are at? Because from there, I mean, I it feels like we're looking at a fifth round ADP right now in in um in twelve team leagues.
1: I mean, to me, all these guys that we're about to talk about, in a perfect world, in an ideal situation, you would draft them as an RB three, a flex for their, their RB two upside. So if you start counting it up, like three RBs in, probably, let's say we're not going tight end or quarterback early in our draft, you know, because that's um, that would be unusual for us. So let's just say you go skill positions. I mean, you're three running backs in, two or three receivers in. I mean, that's round five, right? I mean, round five and beyond. You don't want to
0: take you because you don't want to be taking you might not want to be taking carry on as your running back two because it feels like running back two in the twelve team league is is his upside, especially when you I mean full circle back to Devontae Freeman, especially when you hear all the rumors now that they were trying to that the Falcons were almost got a deal done with the Lions last year for Devontae Freeman. The Lions wanted Devontae Freeman last year. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna fuck carry on, and carry on Johnson owners at some point this
1: offseason. If, if, if you're gonna draft, you're
0: gonna
1: draft a projected fifteen to eighteen touch guy as an RB two, he absolutely has to profile like Mark Ingram did last offseason with the Ravens. I mean that right. it's the it's the only a, way just, that that's really really viable, right? And I'm you just you don't have that sense of faith in a carry on Johnson. I'm not sure I have it in a James Connor uh, either, Alex. Let me ask you about a few more of these guys here. And so I, I will make a quick note though, as we move along here, this is kind of the juncture of best ball ADPs, Alex, where I noticed you began sliding in some of the rookie running back prospects. Obviously we're going to know much more here in pretty short order after the combine and pro days, but maybe just some thoughts here about rookie, running back, uh, ADBs kind of emerge. I mean, it's it's pretty typical, right? The premier running backs in recent years are round four, round five guys, right? Uh, That,
0: I mean, that was my initial inkling that you take the, this is a really good running back class and generally the stud running backs who go to the good situations are taken in round four. Some, sometimes in round three, I mean, Josh Jacobs last year got up to the third round as far as his ADP. So, uh, if one of these guys lands in a great, you know, Jonathan Taylor or something goes to the Bucks, we could be talking about him as like a you know, him or JK Dobbins. They go to the Bucks and and you know, with high draft capital, something like that. We could be talking about a dude that's more into like the two, three turn. But I think it's prudent to start considering these guys in best. You know, this is what you you get a good edge in best ball, getting these guys early before their landing spots, before people would know exactly who they are. And um we saw in the draft, the experts draft, both Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift didn't drop out of this area, but both Taylor and Dobbins dropped out of this same area that we're talking about uh, here uh, right around the you know beginning of the fifth round. Um, so I thought that represented good 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 value there on those guys. What do you what do you think about the rookies? I
1: mean definitely at first thought if there's a stud three down capable lead rookie back that's drafted to a good situation and even without knowing who that is right now or maybe where he lands you got to think that you're going to like that player more than a carry on Johnson.
0: It, it, and it's just it's 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 good to take those shots on 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 these good players. And we'll know more about how we have them stacked up, as Byron said, after we get our combine numbers, after we can put those into our models. And then after we get more film work done, you know, we've done most of our film work thus far. If you've been following on wide receivers, we'll get into running backs as soon as we get the meat of this wide receiver class done and get through a lot of the really good juniors. But, um, you know, just watching college football and just just, you know. Being an observer of the sport, you, I mean, you know that Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, these guys have the requisite size that you need. They have the they have the three-down capability at the next level. They're absolute athletic monsters and beasts. And a, a, there's a lot of teams with running back needs and a lot of teams that don't want to pay the bunch of money for these guys. So um, – we saw last year, we, we we see it every year, but I mean, it's la- just looking last year, Devin Singletary, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, all those guys, you know, very, very, very uh, valuable, at least sort of on the back end of your rosters that sort of moved up towards your true running back two and the studs that you could depend on towards the end of the season, whenever they started getting the run that we anticipated that they would by years in. And those are the kinds of players in best ball that you can more afford to have because, you're you're not there's not the opportunity cost of using a bench spot on them until they really start to fire up.
1: Well, that's a good segue, Alex. I mean, one of the rookie running backs from that very group that you didn't mention uh, from last year, Alex, is Bears running back David Montgomery. For me, this is one of the huge narratives of the off season. Um, probably one of the most pressing questions I have going into Indianapolis this year. Is David Montgomery going to get 300 plus touches this year or not? If not, I'm out. Last year was 267 touches for David Montgomery. Look, he's not a 15 to 18 touch per game guy. So I'm not in on David Montgomery on anything less than a clear and bold endorsement of him as a lead uh, running back. Uh, For the Chicago Bears as a player, I still like David Montgomery very, very much. He played all 16 games as a rookie. He's the durable guy that we thought he was coming out. He still has a lot of what I'm looking for in a young running back. But plain and simple, David Montgomery is a volume player, which isn't surprising. That's like so many other. Of the good running backs in the NFL. That's not unusual. As a matter of fact, it's probably more the rule than the exception that the good running backs need the volume. And you know, <laughs> what's maddening about it, Alex, is David Montgomery's three down capability is the exact reason that Chicago drafted him last year. You know, less than two receptions per game, 15 to 18 touches per game. It's all unacceptable. And I don't care about Tariq Cohen, who the team won't make a commitment to uh, either. So, you know, Chicago has to address the offensive line this offseason post-Kyle Long. You know, 3.7 yards for carry for Dave Montgomery as a rookie. There's a lot of our counterparts out there in the industry that will probably crow about that's right in line with their evaluation. His lack of explosiveness. Uh, Coming out as a rookie and perhaps those guys will be right. I still think that that 3.7 yards per carry for David Montgomery last year was probably much more related to the offensive line, the play of the play of the offensive line in Chicago, as well as just the overall lack of volume. And he's just like so many of these other guys that his yards per carry increases uh, with you know volume, so I mean, I'm just going to hammer Matt Nagy right off the bat. I mean, is David Montgomery a 300 touch guy? I mean, is that what he has to get? Is he going to get 300 touches this year? Because that's that's the type of player he is. They're undermining the entire reason they even drafted him, which is maddening if they don't use him like that. And that Bears offense, I just can't, until we have clarity there, I really can't get in on anybody you know so that's a huge question if some I don't expect to get that commitment from Nagy if somehow we find out that he is a 20 touch per game guy I'm going to be back in the David Montgomery business but outside of a clear and definitive statement by the team there Alex I think we got to proceed with with apprehension especially the ADP is not really all that low currently on David Montgomery